This is an ABC podcast. It's time to get out and about in the garden with Rowanna and Sabrina here on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Except Sabrina Hahn's off doing her own thing again, leaving me high and dry. But that's okay. We had Darren Thorpe in last week and we've got Darren Cena in this week. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Ro. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Excited for a long weekend and an AFL Grand Final here in Perth and a real show that I've got to go to on Monday and make an appearance. But yeah, plenty of good times ahead. Yeah, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to the show tomorrow to do a uh, presentation for Garden Gurus, I think. Ah, so you got dragged along too. Yes, I did. So yeah, yeah. But it's, it's always good fun it going is. down there also. It is. I say that now. Um, I know it will be lots of fun and we'll have plenty of our listeners coming down. If you are going to the show on Monday, just a reminder, you can meet and greet with the ABC uh, presenters and um, here on ABC Perth, as well as some of our news presenters, at 11 till 12.30, um, but we'll be broadcasting from there live all day. And, of course, Christine Layton, I believe, will be having her mullet cut um, <laughs> on Monday as well. Uh, what about the footy tonight? Are you going along? or you? No, I couldn't get tickets. It's one of those tens of thousands that missed out. <laughs> um, but I'd love to be there. It should be a fantastic game and just a great, great uh, occasion for Perth and in our awesome stadium. Yeah, yeah. It'll be pretty spectacular. I imagine, of course, they've got the latest start to make sure that um, all of the lights and everything yeah. else can come into play. And they say by halftime, it'll be dark enough for the halftime entertainment to look pretty spectacular. So, you've got a pick for? Well, uh, my head sort of says that I think Melbourne should win. They, yeah. They've got all the credentials to win, but I've just got this feeling that the the doggies are just building. They've been building over the last couple of weeks, and their uh, last couple of games have been sensational. So, I've got a feeling the Bull, Bulldogs are going to get up. Yeah, some, um, definitely got some momentum behind them. But if you want to talk about sport and footy and all of that, there's going to be plenty of time to do that after 10 o'clock today through until bounce down at quarter past five, our time this afternoon. This show is Roots and Shoots and we want to solve your gardening problems. Uh, if you've got issues, anything you would like some advice from Darren on or just to, you know, whinge with me that you can't get anything to work in your garden, I can be your supporting ear. 1300 222 is the number if you want to give us a call. Otherwise, you can send through a text. We've got a few of those already. 0437 and we'll endeavour to get through as many as we can in the next 50 or so minutes. Let's hit the phone straight away and we'll start off with Ian, who's in Westminster. Good morning, Ian. Oh, good morning, uh, panel. Uh, yeah, question for you, Darren. Uh, I've had the brassica family in four to five years in a row, and I'm looking for an alternative that will grow where there's very little sunlight available, uh, possibly zucchinis or carrots, but peas won't grow there. They seem to need sunlight. What can I replace my brassica for? Well, most of the edibles really do need a fair bit of sun. Um, you could try something like the, the silver beet or the rainbow chard. They, they're not too yeah, bad I'm, with I'm a bit growing, of shade. I'm growing silver beet out the front garden, so I don't have a problem growing that. But I, I'm just looking. What, what about the carrots? Will they handle the uh, little sunlight? I, I, I get that, a little bit... That'd be bit... worth a try, but... but... Generally speaking, most of those type of things, they just need that that extra bit of sun, um, it, particularly the cooler parts of the year. But um, they'd be worth trying because they, um, you know, they are a root vegetable. You probably have to liquid feed them a bit more and um, look after them a little bit more than yeah. you would if they're out in the sunny areas. Uh, the carrots obviously need that nice loose soil. 
How about your zucchini families, any of those? I think you'd have a lot of problems with uh, the fungi, the mildews and stuff on zucchinis if you grew them in more shade than less shade. Uh, but again, you, you could give them a go. Sometimes it's just worth trying just to see how they go. And, and you know, if they don't work, at least you know that's not one to try next yeah, year. Yeah, there's one that won't work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've got zucchinis and, of course, the other things that resemble, what do you call them, other things we eat them? Um, yeah, the big long fellas. Like cucumbers? To, yeah, cucumbers, yes. Yeah, I, I get a little bit of morning sun because I'm surrounded by a lot of brickwork because it's a flat, and uh, the sun passes over and gives a tiny bit of morning sun there, uh, and I can successfully grow collies and and, uh, and broccoli, but I want a, a change from those two. I think just sometimes in those situations, Ian, you just have to try things and see how, see how they go because they, 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 you, you're not in an ideal situation. So you, generally, if you try things, sometimes you'll be surprised how well things go and you know, some things just won't work for you. But uh, there's nothing that really, other than what you're doing, that does really well in those semi-shaded areas. All right, thank you for your call this morning, Ian. 1300 222 720 if you'd like to do the same. Uh, Claire from Stoneville has sent us a text. Morning, my garlic has drooped sideways, bit yellowy, the shoot laying on the ground. I put them in in May. It's is it too early? Oh, sorry, it's too early to be ready. Surely, what do you think's occurring, Dan? Yeah, generally with garlic, this is a bit early. I'm just wondering whether they've dried out because we have had that sudden change of weather where we've had those few warm days, and whether it's dried out. Um, if I was clear, I'd have a little scratch around and just see what the soil's like, and maybe just have a scratch and see if the bulb's looking fully grown and fully matured. But it is a little bit early for the for the the garlic. Okay. Already, so that's the only thing I could think of. It could be, um, and yeah, make sure there's uh, the no no pests on it because they are a bit susceptible to a few um, sap sucking insects, the aphids, and those sort of things. Speaking of pests, Peter from Mandra has sent us a text. Hi, Darren and Roe. My lemon tree flowers are covered in tiny black insects. What do I need to treat them with? Well, that'll just be aphids because they lo- love that new growth. Uh, generally, if you can hold off the, uh, the predatory insects and the birds and that'll come in and clean them up. And if there's a lot on there, I just hit them with the hose and just spray them off and keep them under control like that. And um, after a period of time, the predators come in and, and do the job for you. All right, let's go back to the phones. Shane has given us a call in Ardross. Good morning, Shane. Good morning. How are you all? Good. Hey, look, um, I inherited a uh, – well, I got, I got gifted a clivia and a blue ginger, and the, the blue ginger flowered and was, was awesome, and it got really big, and then um, a few shoots, um, you know, new, some new new um, smaller blue gingers come up, and um, – it needed repotting because it was just drying out all the time and you can tell it's quite soil bound but um i've sent through the photos of how they look now and i'm just not happy and i'm not i've, I've tried um liquid fertilizer and a, and a bit of a feed and and repotting and just wanting some guidance in the blue ginger and how i can make my clivia a bit happier yeah the the blue gingers uh, don't look great in winter as a general rule. We have a, a term in the trade called manky. They tend to look pretty <laughs> manky through winter. So, yeah. And there's really nothing you can do to make them look any better. They're, they're a warm climate plant. So uh, you just have to wait. Uh, in the next few weeks, maybe four to six weeks even, you'll start to see some uh, growth come from below the ground level and they'll send up some shoots. Uh, they'll send some side, side shoots on the stems you've got. Then you can 
start feeding them. And they love the liquid feed and some slow-release granular works really well on them. But they love the warm weather, so they'll do all their best work through the late spring and summer. And then you'll get flowers again in autumn, but don't expect them to look great in winter because they never will. Okay, what about the clivia? The clivia looks like it's in a, a, a quite a small pot for the size of the plant. I would just yeah. either find somewhere nice in the garden to plant it or put it up into a bigger pot because they, like uh, a lot of plants, they fill the, the pot really quickly. Yeah, that, that yeah. just definitely, I'm just having a look at the picture now, definitely needs repotting. I'd go into a pot at least twice the size of that and um, do some granular fertiliser and liquid feed it through the warm months and that'll come on really, really well. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. Good on you, Shane. Thank you for calling us. If you'd like to do the same, we have got phone lines free this morning. We know you're probably all busily doing things. Plenty of texts rolling in, but there is the opportunity to ask Darren a question directly. 1300-222-720 is the number, and we'll get through some of these texts in the meantime. Thank you to Rachel in Allenbrook, who sent us a text, um, obviously took the opportunity to have a look at the Open Garden Scheme um, house that was open, uh, garden, that was open out in Allenbrook last week. Rachel writes, I just like to say thank you to Annie, Richard and family who opened up their garden last weekend for the public to walk through. I live close to their home and love the opportunity to see such a lovely garden. It was fantastic. How great to be able to buy some incredible food, crafts and a cup of tea with proceeds going to a very good cause. I really enjoyed my first garden visit and will definitely be going to more. Um, Do you go along to those ever, Darren? Uh, When I can, we do get a few up in the hills from time to time and um, around Bedfordale I know there's a couple out there, but it's a fantastic scheme, absolutely brilliant and um, it's really, really popular now. Yeah, Cynthia joins us uh, most Saturday mornings at the start of the show uh, when there's um, uh, an open garden scheme house uh, garden that weekend and gives us the details, so make sure that you do stay listening and Like uh, Rachel, when the opportunity is there and it's in your neighbourhood, get out and enjoy it. Uh, Let's head to Gil, is it, or Jill? Jill. Jill. Sorry, Jill in Bunbury. Good morning to you. Hi. Um, I just recently planted some fruit trees and I want some guidance as to the amount of water that they will need during the height of the summer. I'm going away and I need to set the reticulation to give them sufficient water. Okay, what sort of fruit trees are they? That We're talking stone fruit and citrus? Uh, stone fruits. Okay, they need... Uh, and, and apples as well. It, they're, being in their first summer in the ground, they need adequate water to stop them from drying out. So you said you've uh, got them on the reticulation. If Do you have sprayers or uh, tree bubblers on them? Do you know? Uh, drippers. Drippers, okay. What you need to do is uh, work out how much water those drippers are putting out. They, they should have it yep. written on them. And I've done, um, I've done a flow test. When you're on the scheme water, I'm pretty sure, Bunbury, are you on the two days a week with the watering down there? Yes. Yep, so yes. you can only really water them two days a week off your retic anyhow. And normally yep. if you put between sort of around 10 litres on the trees each time you water, um, make sure they've been really well mulched to try and conserve that water and um, I would be put some wetting agent on it before you go as well so it's soaking in really really well. Okay. I, I sort of looked on the internet and it seemed to be suggesting four times that, about 40 litres um, per tree. But uh, on, a, on our sandy yeah. soils, a lot of that water will, will go through pretty quickly so you, you won't yeah. get hold um, that much around. Did you improve the soil when you... When you planted them, yes. Yeah, so you could bump it up to um, you know sort of fifteen or twenty liters, but you need to have a look as you maybe 
when you're running the system on time, have a look and see how the water's soaking in, whether it's um, being held in the soil well, because there's no point putting so much water that eventually just it's running through and it's not holding around the, the root um, system anyhow. Um, really, yeah. the first year they're in the ground, it's, it'd be great if you could supplement the two waters off the reticulation with the hand water between the two um, scheme water, reticulation waterings as well. Yes, except I'm not going to be here, yeah, so, um, a, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's just trying to – you don't want the ground to dry out, but you, you, um, you can run the retic for you know, an hour and, and most of that water won't stay there anyhow, so you're not really getting a great deal of benefit from it. Um, okay. it, it just depends on how much water your soil is capable of holding, I think, is the, the big issue. Okay, I'll do a bit of uh, research then. Thank you. No worries. All the best, Jill. Thank you for giving us a call this morning. Uh, John from Wanneroo has sent us a text with a photo. Good morning, uh, says Sabrina, but Darren's going to answer your question. I need help with my 12-year-old mango. The last few years have hardly produced any fruit at all, and as we head into spring, it's much yellower than my neighbour's equivalent tree, which is a deeper green and heavily flowering. What's my likely starting point to catch up? Uh, There's probably a couple of things going on there. It's showing a fair bit of trace element deficiency. So you can get the trace elements as a liquid and then you, with a backpack sprayer, spray it around the foliage and you need to do that uh, probably three, four, even half a dozen times to really get good benefit from it. I can also see that it's um, mulched with rocks, which is not ideal for for fruit trees because that will heat the soil up a little bit. So... um, I know people do that for, for the look of yeah, yeah. the aesthetics <laughs> rather than the um, practical things. But I would personally remove those rocks, um, get some compost and clay mix around the, the base of it. And also with your mango, you just need to keep an eye out for any fungal diseases that they get to. So any blackening of the stems or leaves and they would need to be sprayed for. But it's just a nutrient thing as much as anything. So liquid trace element sprayed on the foliage and a good quality granular fruit tree fertiliser and, and it should green up over the warm months. Good to have a bit of healthy competition in the street. Yeah, it is. <laughs> See yeah. who's got the best mango tree. <laughs> good luck with that one, John. Uh, we're going back to the phones now and we're going down to Denmark. Good morning, Lee. Hi, how are you guys? Good, how are you? Good. Yeah, excellent. Um, I have a, a Callistamon Little John's and is it too late to prune them because they seem to be budding already? Uh, Am if, I going to lose it? <laughs> if you if they're budding and you prune it, you will lose that, that flowers. They do re-flower re, uh, pretty quickly. If you want to prune it just okay. for shape, it's certainly not too late as far as being able to prune it and it'll just reshoot and bush up and get some nice new growth on it. But, yeah, you'll have to wait a bit longer for flowers. That's the only thing. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Perfect. I wasn't quite sure if I'd missed my window. The clismans are so hardy, you can almost prune them any time of the year, even I've been forced to prune some in the, the hottest time of the year, and they've, they've just shot back really easily, so I wouldn't be overly worried about it. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. There you go, Lee. Thank you for giving us a call this morning. We're going to stay in your neck of the woods and go to Bob, who's in Albany. Hi, Bob. Oh, good morning. Um, my problem is with a lemon tree, 15 years old, very productive. A week ago, it looked very healthy. Suddenly, all the leaves have turned a sickly yellow. Um, my mo- moisture meter tells me the soil has not dried out, but it, but it looks like either no water or Roundup. Okay, so is, is there any reason to think it would have Roundup on it, though? No, none at all. Um, lemon trees are susceptible to a few fungal diseases. Um, one I see quite regularly is where people have mulched up really hard around the trunk and they get collar rot. So, and, 
and that can knock them off really quickly as well. Um, have you had a scratch around in the soil to make sure it is nice and nice and moist? No, I haven't scratched around. I just used a moisture meter. Yep, yeah, well, moisture meters, you know, aren't always the super accurate. So it wouldn't hurt just to have a little scratch around and make sure that the the um, soil is moist down in that root zone. Uh, if it's not, then it's just a matter of um, you know, some wetting agent, a couple of deep waterings, um, some seaweed solution or something like that to give it a boost. Um, yeah, citrus uh, this year with all the rain, uh, <coughs> pardon me, I am seeing a lot of yellow ones around because of the, you just get a lot of nutrient leaching when we've had as much rain as what we've had. Uh, that's pretty much all I could really think of, Bob. Um, the the colorots are one I see a lot of with, with citrus, particularly lemons, and they do decline really rapidly from that. No, it's, it's, uh, it's not colorot. Do they get dieback? Um, they get other fungal diseases. They also do get borers, so it'd be worth having a bit of a look around on the trunks to make sure there's no uh, borer holes, and we've got an incursion of a new borer species in, in Perth and WA that we're worried about at the moment too, so that would be another thing I'd look for too. Okay, well thanks Darren. No worries. Thanks for giving us a call this morning, Bob. Um, just jumping back to the garlic, Velda from Bassendine has just said that her garlic is starting to dry off already. Is it too early and should she stop watering? Um, look, I don't think it's too early now. I'd probably just keep keep the water up to them for a little bit longer. It's normally a, a, a few more weeks before people start lifting their garlic. Okay. There you go, Velda. Thank you. If you want to keep sending your text through, 0437922720 is the number. It's 22 past nine. And we're going to go to Del Keith now and say good morning to Lee. Hi, Lee. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I hope you can help me. I planted um, a huge abo tree probably last year. Last year, So it was, about, it was a mature one, seven foot high. And it was going really, really well. And then in the last month, the leaves have all burnt from the tips and the sides. Not burnt, they just died. Yep. And it's got, it does have buds on it. And I've, it, it's in a sheltered position. I've got other, other trees on my verge, which are fine. They haven't got wind burn or anything. And it looks like it's dying and I don't know what to do. Um, I'd make sure it has been... Did you plant it yourself or did you get someone to plant it for you? No, I, pl- I planted it myself. Yeah, and it's not planted any deeper than what it was in the pot, so the soil's no. not built up around... And it was fine. It's been fine for a year. Yep. It's, you know, it's, it's looked good. It's well, just... and yeah. Avocados can look pretty... Um, sort of manky at this time of the year too. They they get the yellow leaves. They drop a lot of um, older leaves, and they as they're coming into flowers, it's putting flowers out now. It's got the flowers, and it's got a few little, you know, the little new shoots yep. in the centre yep. of the flowers. But every single leaf on the tree is on the tree is just hanging straight down. Yeah, um, and they're going to drop off. Yeah, it's, I'd be checking them out again. Just make sure that the the even though it's been in a year, it still wouldn't have spread its roots out from the, the planting hole from the original root ball that far and need yeah. to make sure that root ball hasn't dried out because I do see it, particularly with uh, mature plants, sometimes they're planted in the ground, the watering system that's used, the water tends to run around that root ball rather than into it. So uh. having a look and making sure the water is actually soaking into the root ball of the tree. So I'd get a, a liquid um, wetting agent, watering can, around that the original root ball that was in the container and and giving it a, a really good soak over the next couple of days to see if that helps perks it up. And then um, some liquid feeding at this time of the year is always good for avocados as well. Uh, but they're not 
like the most attractive trees at the best of time, Avo. So <laughs> it, it could just be that it's just going through shedding those leaves, coming into new growth and flowers. Um, okay. Nothing else really, like um, generally if you've got a fungal disease in the avos, it shows up with a lot of yellowing in the foliage and, and some dieback from the No, on, I haven't on the got tips. that yet. The, they're still quite green and lovely. Yeah, the, so, the leaves are still quite green. Yeah, it does just sound like it might have just dried out in that root ball. So mm-hmm. I'd try that. And they, they can take mm-hmm. like a week to perk up too. Okay, cool. Thanks, Thank Lee. you very much. I'll give that a go. Thanks for that. No problem at all. Uh, morning, two picks of magnolia trees, which is looking a tad sad. Leaves dying around edges and not very glossy. Is this normal at this time of year from Sharon in Floriot? It's uh, not normal, but it's not uncommon either. They, you, I do see a lot of them with that browning around the edges. Um, generally, it's just a, a nutrient thing. They're, they're pretty hungry and um, they need a good feed and they need to get their, their root system is pretty dense. So sometimes the water doesn't really soak into them very well. Um, so I like to use a, a liquid or a granular wetting agent and give them a really good soak at this start time of the year. So they've got a bit of a head start before the, the summer weather comes. Um, Liquid feeding is good for them. They, they're, they're quite hungry plants, the evergreen magnolias. So um, the more nutrients you put on them, the tends the uh, healthier they'd be. Uh, there's not that much else that goes wrong with them. They, they can be a little bit susceptible to some fungal diseases, but it's a rare rarity. It's normally a, a cultural thing, how they're being grown. So um, I'd be having a scratch around, making sure that water is soaking into the root ball and uh, maybe just putting some wetting agent on, giving them a good soak. Because they, they, uh, once they've been in for a couple of years, the, the ground around them is just dense with magnolia roots. So the water sometimes, even when we have a lot of rain, has trouble really soaking in. Okay, we're heading up to your hood. Um, Mick sent us a text. Good morning, folks. I'm in the hills. We have a very mature wisteria, which we need to move due to developing the block. It is flowering now and it needs to be moved in the next couple of months. Can we save it? And if so, any advice you might have? Yeah, uh, wisterias are pretty much indestructible. If it's a mature wisteria, you're going to have fun digging it out. So it'll have a, a really solid, deep root system. The, the roots are really rubbery as well, so they're painful to cut through. Um, as much of the, the root ball as you can get, and I'd be doing it sooner rather than later because it'll very soon, if they're flowering now, as soon as the flowers finish, the new growth comes. And if you dig them when they've got that soft new growth, they will go back a bit. But I've yet to see anyone dig a wisteria up and kill it. They tend to just grow like mad. And once you dig that up, you're probably going to find you're going to leave your, the new owners of your home um, wisteria suckers that are popping up everywhere in the garden <laughs> for years to come. Nice little parting gift yes. for them. <laughs> uh, Chris, good morning to you in Australia. Oh, good morning. How are you both? We're well, thank Very good. you. Uh, right. Now, I have a lemon tree that's been put on notice that I have a chainsaw. <laughs> um, I, have a, <laughs> I have a problem with it. It's very leafy. The lemons are really as big as a grapefruit, and they're in really nice yellow. The only problem is that it's the skin on them is about five to eight mils thick. Yep. It's got plenty of water. It's got been mulched. It's got fertiliser around it, but the inner uh, meat of the lemon is as dry as a mother-in-law's heart. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, you're a bad man. (laughs) So Uh, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Generally, the the poor quality of the fruit and citrus is just uh, um, to do with the the feeding. Um, Down in Australia, because you're probably on really sandy, are you near the coast there? Uh, Yeah, Yeah. yeah, not very far. So um, I'd be... Getting some uh, 
rock minerals and giving it a substantial feed with rock minerals. If you get good quality rock minerals, they last in the soil for many years and a really good broad spectrum complete um, fruit tree fertiliser. So one that's got the... Yeah, and they just need regular fertilising and just being uh, very sandy soil, some compost and clay, mineralised clay works really well in that that zone as well. So it's generally just a a nutrient issue that when you're getting that poor quality fruit um, with the thick skin and and dry flesh. Fair enough. Okay, then thank you very much for that. I'll give it a go. Thank you, Chris, and thanks for giving us a call. It's uh, 29 past nine. Always like the interesting descriptions. (laughs) Similes and analogies people like to use on this program. He's a gay man. <laughs> he is. He's a very gay man. I'm hoping his mother-in-law doesn't listen to Roots. And, well, I do hope his yeah, mother-in-law I'm, I'm listens to Roots. I'm hoping his mother-in-law is listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, coming up to half past nine, so we may as well. It is that time again. It is. Sabrina's musical pick of the week. Pick of the week. <laughs> Here we go now. With responsibility delegated to Darren Seymour this week. Darren, what are we going to listen to uh, this morning? It's uh, Courtney Barnett and the song is called Avant Gardener. So it's actually a song about nearly dying while you're out gardening. <laughs> Sounds like something I'd do. All right, here it is. Um, if you want to get in line to ask Darren a question, give us a call, 1300 720 We have it. Sabrina's pick of the week, delegated to Darren Senor, who's in uh, in the place of Sabrina this week. You might know him from the television shows, The Garden Gurus, My Garden, Your Garden, and also Green Fingers. And he's been in here a couple of times this year to answer your gardening questions and is doing the same again today. I think, Darren, Greg's happy with your choice. Oh. It's a little bit surprised he's listening to the ABC hearing it, though. <laughs> well, at least I make one person happy today. That's good. <laughs> I'm sure you've made a few people happy and Sabrina would definitely be happy because she <laughs> likes anything that um, mixes things up a bit and, you know, keeps us all on edge. Um, Diane from Perth, great song, love it. Who is it? It was Courtney Barnett. Um, yeah, that's all we've got in terms of feedback, so people must be happy. Or they turned off one of the two, Darren, but <laughs> we'll get them back um, if they did. Uh, Joan from Kalamunda has sent us a text. I'll try and keep it a bit shorter but good morning essentially um she's chasing some suggestions for to help with privacy um she has a house beside her that is enormous um rather like a block of flats that's quite imposing um there is a hedge on one boundary which is coming along nicely but i need something or several ideas to plant creating a dense block out even something spectacular would be nice any suggestions? Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a few things you can use. There's a, a bamboo called Slender Weavers. So that's a really tall, narrow, upright bamboo that clumps. So it's not one of the old-fashioned running ones that take over the, the whole <laughs> suburb. And that, that's 
really a really nice uh, plant. It does drop a lot of leaves because it's a vigorous growing thing. Um, the, and there's some really good slender growing lily pillies that have been bred specifically for this reason because <laughs> it's a very common problem now, particularly more so in inner city suburbs and than uh, out in the hills. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, so there's a couple of really good ones that you could look at for those. I was going to say, that's not you that's gone and built an apartment block up no, there. No, hardly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. All right, we can go back to your calls. Um, 1300 720 if you would like to do what Mary has done down in Bunbury. Good morning, Mary. Hello, hello there. Thank you for your call. Uh, my azaleas, what do I um, fertilise them with and mulch them with and when, please? Yep, it's pretty much the feeding time for azaleas. Most of them will be just finishing flowering, so it's a good time to give them a, a light prune and fertilise with a, an azalea-specific fertiliser. There's plenty of those available on the market, even though they're not actually that fussy, really. It's, any general fertiliser is okay for them. And you can mulch them with a, uh, something like pine bark or um, even a, a chip tree mulch is fine. That Again, they're not super fussy if they're... Um, well watered and they get a little bit of shade they tend to do really really well all right good luck with that one mary um a couple of more bits of feedback on your song choice mick from the hills got in touch again he said thanks for the advice on the wisteria hopefully we'll be dug out with machinery so plenty of root ball thanks for the courtney barnett song too she is my favorite talker to music i think that's a compliment um kathy and rivervale love courtney great choice uh sue says great pick well done darren and roe hey i got even some brownie points out of that. So now we're all happy. Um, keep them coming through 0437922720. We'll take song feedback. We'll also, also take um, gardening questions if you've got some. Margaret is in City Beach. Good morning to you, Margaret. Oh, good morning. Happy morning to you both. Um, I've got um, a shrub that I've had for a couple of seasons. It's a very soft grey leaf and has a gorgeous little purple flower. I know you tip prune it when it's finished flowering, which it had, but it's not looking very healthy. And I'm just wondering, do you only get two or three seasons out of them? It, you probably it, know it. Is it an Eremophila? That's it. Yeah. Yes, um, a very they, soft grey leaf. Yeah, and yeah they're a beautiful plant. Flower. No, you should get more than two or three seasons out. You should get a, should a, you? Yeah, it lasts a few times, to- um, right. quite a few years. So uh, you can lightly prune them because they can get a bit sprawly and... Uh, just a, a native. gone down a bit lighter than about, it was about a metre high, metre and a bit high and wide. Um, but it wasn't, the grey was looking really as if it was dying off. So I've down into the wood. So I don't know whether I'm going to lose it. I gave it some dynamic, dynamic lifter. Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't go with a dynamic lifter on the Aromophilus. Oh. I'd, I'd probably scrape that away and, and right. then give it a really good water, try and wash that through and just get a, a controlled release fertiliser for natives and ah, um, then it sort of f- right. fingers crossed a little bit because they don't really like to be pruned into the hardwood, but they will come back. Yes, that's what come, I was thinking when I did back, it. Though. I thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered, is there anything else I can replace it with that? I like the contrast in the garden from the greens with the grey. There's a couple of um, variegated or silver-leafed uh, astringers, the native rosemaries, and, and they'll do really well on City Beach. Because it does get quite a bit of wind. It's full sun, but it does get a bit of wind yeah, where I've, I am. I've done a few jobs in City Beach, and I, <laughs> I know that it's a very challenging area to grow grow some, some plants. My so. garden's looking gorgeous, actually. All my sweet peas and my red poppies are just beautiful. And can I still put tomatoes in? 
Yeah, it's a perfect time to get the tomatoes in. It's the start of the season. I'll be jumping into that pretty quickly, get them going. All the best, Margaret. Thanks for giving us a call. Enjoy your long weekend, um, particularly if you're going to be spending it out in the garden. Um, Good morning, Darren. Can my embarrassingly miserable rhubarb be saved? It's been in the ground for a few months, but it's never flourished. Hopefully, Mario Bicton. Yeah, they should get – now's the time they start growing. So liquid fertiliser, a good quality um, granular fertiliser, keep them well watered and mulched and they should bloom away over the – the, the spring and into summer, just have to keep an eye out for the snails, particularly with the rhubarb snails. I love them. Yeah. You're a glasses half full kind of guy. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to be as brutal as Sabrina when I opened that picture, but there's hope there. Good luck, Mari. Um, g'day all. I've taken out a huge fig tree and now I have realised I've taken away a major food source for everything from possums to parrots. What could I plant as a replacement crop on approximately one hectare? Um, for example, sunflowers or what would you recommend? Um, this keeps me awake at night, Ron, in Mount Barker. Well, one of the easy things to grow if you're happy to give up fruit to um, the, the native wildlife is, is the lily pillies because they, they grow vigorously. They produce fruit over a really long period and the birds, the possums, everything seems to love them. Um, the only thing is you might end up with uh, a lot of lily pilly seedlings being deposited around <laughs> around your block, but they, they work really well. Um, and then, yeah, just things like the sunflowers are great and a lot of those sort of annual seed-producing plants would work. Okay. There you go, Ron. Good luck. Uh, hello, Lynn. Good morning to you. Hello. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Hi. Um, yeah, I've got a grapefruit tree and, and it's also a... Um, I've noticed it on my um, hibiscus um, sirica tree as well, but it's being eaten and it's almost got to the point where it's ring um some of the limbs and, like, that they're quite white. And I'm just wondering, um, I think uh, I've seen that maybe it might be rats or something, but I'm just wondering if, what's the treatment, what should I do? Uh, it certainly sounds like rats without seeing that the damaged rats will ring bark trees. They seem to love that point where the branches meet the trunks so it must be like a softer wood or something they'll, they'll eat the whole way around and you lose whole limbs and eventually they'll, they'll destroy the whole tree if you've got rats you really um down to your own personal pre- preference for rat control whether it's trapping baiting um what, whatever but um if if you've got rats coming in the garden and they're damaging your trees if you don't get on top of them they will do extensive damage they'll you know, quite easily kill quite mature trees so with the limb itself, like, because um, it hasn't done it to all of them, do, do I chop the limb it, off? It depends how much damage still... it is. If it's all the way around, eventually that will either die off or become so weak that it's um, a bit of a liability in the tree anyhow. So I'd be inclined to cut that one cut that one out. Um, and then it's you know, trying to protect the tree from the rats as best as you can. Grapefruit are really hard. Well, that's, it's never ha- had a problem before. It's like a 30-year-old tree. It's, I read somewhere about um, putting aloe on it and pepper. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a lot of things out there that, that people say work that, yeah, they, they may do for them. I, that, like it's possible the aloe and the pepper might be something that just rats don't like. But um, really... Re- the only real way to deal with rats is to get the numbers down because once they get going, you end up with massive amounts of them. Um, they love citrus, 
because they love the fruit and they'll eat the tree, the, the bark and the, the leaves, and um, they're super, super destructive. So um, if you can, you really do need to look at trying to, to eradicate as many of them as you can. Awesome. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for giving us a call. 1300 222 720 if you want to do the same. Uh, I had a text coming through from someone who's queuing outside the Royal Show hoping to get in. Um, we did speak to, for our ABC Perth and um, Northwest audiences, the uh, Royal Ag Society boss... Uh, gosh, I can't remember what his role exactly was with the Royal Ag Society, to say that the gates were opening, um, un- weren't opening until 10 today to ease the pressure. Um, and this text is saying it's having the opposite effect. There are hundreds of people queuing at the gates, obviously unaware that there's the show, which normally opens at nine, isn't opening until 10 and there's certainly no social distancing. So for those of you who missed it, if you are planning to head to the show this week, uh, gates don't open until 10. Just a reminder about that. Um, a couple more texts Sarah in Mount Hawthorne Darren I have some long neglected snow pears I'm assuming that's pears not peas in my garden how do I best prep them for spring um, well, snow pears are a nice beautiful a very attractive deciduous tree it, Mount Hawthorne's very very sandy and the, so the pears will like a, a bit of compost and clay put around a granular fertiliser Keep them well mulched, and um, they're not huge water requirements, but uh, the two two solid drinks a week will be all they need, and away they go, and you just give them a, a couple more feeds during the growing season. Beautiful trees when they get growing, fantastic shade trees. There you go, Sarah. Um, Darren, my Hardenbergia, our happy wanderer, has brown leaves and very few flowers. They've been in for about 18 months in Bustleton. Any ideas? Um, they may just not like the soil down in Bustleton. Some of the some of the hardened birds are hybrids, and they're not quite as hardy as the others. Um, probably you could just give it a light light prune and a native fertilizer, and maybe just a little bit of water, extra water over summer, to, you know, once every couple of weeks, just to keep them um, keep them going. See if they um, jump away. They do like a lot of sun to keep the to get good flower production. So if they're in a bit of shade, that won't help too. Uh- Thank you for making my transition from Triple J easier. That was obviously related to the song pick, Sab's pick of the week. Um, Oh, now I just had another text for you, but the screen's refreshed as it loves to do. Um, Greg would like to know, what's the best way of getting rid of white ants from the garden lost to eucalyptus this year? Um, White ants are pretty much termites because most of them are native species. Um, The only way you're really going to deal with them is to uh, spray spray for them and do soil drenching. Uh, Generally, the termites don't really uh, get into trees unless they're in poor health or or pretty much dead, so they really only go for the dead wood. But you might need to get a... um, a pest control guy in and, and spray for them because if they're getting in your garden, they might get into your house next as well. Good luck with that one, Greg. We've got a full bank of callers as we head towards uh, the end of the program, 13 away from 10. So let's jump straight back to the phones and we'll start with Tanya. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How can hey, we help? I've got a question about my heliconias. I've got um, a couple of different species, but... How do I get them to flower? Uh, well, they flower in the warmer months, so they flower through uh, summer and into autumn. And basically, because they're, they're a tropical type of plant, um, they don't like direct sun, but they like a, a bit of a reasonable amount of natural light, warm, warm area, and um, just some liquid fertilising and a little bit of granular fertiliser. Uh, 
and they should just grow. As soon as we come into that hot weather, get growing, and they'll uh, start spiking up some flower spikes towards the middle of summer, early summer, and, and then they flower right through the end of autumn. Yeah, because I've had them for, in pots for a couple of years now, and um, the hot Rio nights, it's never flowered, and I've been doing all that. Um, might need to pot it up into a slightly bigger pot to get it uh, going and make it a bit more healthy. But are they getting enough light? Because they, they do best under sort of like about 50% shade cloth rather than um, a really dark area. You tend to, if it's very dark, you tend to get a lot of foliage and not fl- much in the way of flower. Oh, okay, yeah, that one's under the alfresco, so maybe that I need to move it out towards the light more. Yeah, it might just need a bit more light, but also putting it up. If it's been in the same pot for a couple of years, I'd be looking to repot it as well. And any special soil? Just a general uh, good quality premium potting mix and we'll be as happy as Larry. There you go, Tanya. Thanks for giving us a call this morning. We're going to head out to Rolly Stone. Good morning, Arnold. Good morning. Complete oh, with uh, wind yeah. chimes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yes. Roll, that's yes. Rolly's for you. Yeah, well, we've got plenty of wind up here. <laughs> I've, I've got a pink grapefruit that's doing quite nicely, but the pith is really thick. The quandary in this is the fact that I've grafted this pink grapefruit onto a lime tree. The limes are perfect. They've got a very thin pith on them. And I've got a um, sweet navel orange sitting a couple of metres from it, uh, putting out lots of oranges with a very thin pith on it as well. It's just a grafted grapefruit that seems to have a very thick pith. Yeah, it might just be the, the variety. Do you know what variety it is? Uh, I'm not certain. All I know is it was a pink grapefruit yeah. that I stole a cutting from. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it could just be the variety. Um, could just be needs a little bit more extra in the way of nutrients, being a, a younger graft, maybe um, giving it a, a foliar feed of trace elements might help as well. Yeah, it's getting trace elements. It's getting plenty of uh, urea from human sources as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just a quandary to me that all the other citrus around it was had a normal pith, and this one was really thickened. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to think of anything other than maybe it's a characteristic, characteristic of the variety. Okay, sounds like I need to put up with it. <laughs> Thanks, Arnold. Thanks yeah, for giving bye. us a call. We're going to head straight to Lynn, who's in Dalkeith. Good morning, Lynn. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I've got a, I've got a very, very sad avo. In fact, I've got two sad avos. Um, they are both dwarf avos. One's an A and one's a B. We try to do the whole thing that they um, advise us to do. But their leaves have gone brown on the edges and, um, and, and are now all falling off. They're both doing their very best at re-sprouting and have got lots of new leaves and things. But they really do go brown and... Yeah, it looks very sad. Yeah, it's it's pretty typical of avocados. Uh, they they're just not attractive looking plants at the best of time. Are they, are they, uh, are they new plants? They've been in the ground a short period of time. They've been in the ground about three years. Never fruited, but yep. um, um, certainly growing healthily. Yeah, so you just until the leaves off. Yeah. yeah, so you just really need to. Um, now's a good time of the year to feed them. Um, there's actually a couple of avocado specific fertilisers you can buy too that have been formulated to, to suit their particular needs. Um, they do like to be mulched because they've got quite shallow root systems. You just have to be extremely careful not to get that mulch up around the trunk. And keeping them well watered over summer is really important as well. Um, 
they just do tend to have brown leaves quite regularly. Like I've got a few at home that I'm getting good fruit off and they've got a lot of brown leaves on them as well and it just seems to be the way they are. Um, as, oh, lo- okay. as long Perfect. as they've got reasonable soil, they're getting good water uh, and they're being adequately fed, they, they should be fine. And, and this time of the year, you do see them shed a lot of leaves, they flower and then all the new growth comes on after. Oh, that's brilliant. All right, I will soldier on. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Lynn. Stay at it. Um, we're going to head straight to Lara, who's in Englewood. Hi, Lara. Hi. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm ringing up about my roses. I'd like to fertilise them. Can I fertilise them with um, chicken and cow manure? You can pretty much fertilise roses with anything. They're probably the least fussiest uh, plant for fertilisers around. Uh, they're gross feeders. They're always hungry. Um, just with the manures, just need to make sure they're not too fresh, um, that they're being composted a little bit before you put them on it, and make sure that you water the plant really well after you apply them. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Hi, Alex. Bye. (laughs) Nice. Shout out to Alex. You've slipped in there, Lara. Good job. Thanks for giving us a call this morning and good luck with your roses. Um, Vicky in Mount Pleasant, hello to you. Yes, good morning. How can we help you, Vicky? Um, I was very attracted to this year's display of gerberas um, at my local garden centre and decided to put them as companion plants for a well-established rose garden. So never grown them before, read up on what the planting tips were, made sure the crowns weren't, uh, were you know, nicely above the ground, um, put in a wetting agent. They're in very well composted and fed soil from the roses and they've all collapsed. So I'm just wondering if you've got any tips for a novice gerbera grower or whether I just need to call them out and try something else. Um, yeah, it sounds like you've done most things pretty right with the gerbers. They're generally pretty easy to grow. If you've got good soil, and they grow really well with roses, they are a good companion plant for them. Um, the only thing I can think of is maybe they got planted a little bit too deep, like deeper than what they were in the pots, and they've just got rot around the, the top of the crown because they, they basically have a a crown almost like an asparagus does and um, that needs to be at the soil surface level and not get buried. Yeah, so they're not mushy or anything at the base. Like they're still pushing up new um, flowers but the flowers don't actually develop very well. Um, Should I give them keep persevering, do you think, or should I just give it away now? Um, I'd persevere for a little bit longer. Gerberas do get a virus which um, uh, can affect them but generally that just affects the the flowers. You don't get any colour in the flowers. If they're um, collapsing uh, perhaps give them a a spray with a fungicide as well. So they do get a bit Uh of powdery mildew on the um, the foliage Yeah, and coming out of winter it can be the worst time for them. Uh, Are they getting plenty of sun? Oh, they're in pretty well full sun at the moment because the roses aren't, haven't grown too bushy, yep. so, yeah. And the soil's reasonably well-draining. It's not too heavy. No, look, it, it's a very well... I haven't had any issues with um, drainage on other plants there, so... All right, well, I'll just persevere and uh, keep my fingers crossed. Yep, yeah, yeah, but hopefully once we get some warm weather, they'll, they'll shoot back because they, they are fantastic plants. They're beautiful flowers. Mm. Good luck, Vicky, uh, and thanks for giving us a call. 
this morning. Bev would like to know, Darren, my backyard is being renovated. It has a lot of clay that needs to go. A friend needs clay in their sandy backyard. Can they mix it in? Yeah, you sure can. Um, you just like put it over the surface of the sand and try and either rotary hoe it or just dig it through and break it all up. Try and blend it into the sand as much as you can. And then just at the same time, add some compost as well because the compost and clay mixed into your sand is a really good mix. There you go, Bev. So there's some fun for your long weekend between you and your friend. Um, Let's go to Claire, who's in Helena Valley. Good morning, Claire. Oh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I'm living in Helena Valley on a bush block, and I'm looking for something that's a lawn substitute that's fast-growing. Yep. Yep. So um, for a sunny area? Um, Yes. Okay, lippy is always great for, for a sunny area as a lawn substitute. It's very fast-growing, very hardy. Once mm-hmm. it's established, uses very little water. Um, the only downside some people see in it is that the, it flowers quite heavily and attracts a lot of bees, um, mm-hmm. but you can deal with that by just as the flowers come out. Whips and light. could you suggest something else? Um, the hemiandra native uh, snake, snake bush, which is a, a prostrate uh, dark green flowering native ground cover, which is works well as a lawn substitute as well. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Not a problem. You're welcome, Claire. Thank you. Um, Anne writes, Darren, uh, hi, guys, can a wrist-sized frangipani branch take root for propagation? Yep, certainly, yep. Just uh, dry it out a little bit, put it into either a pot or into the garden, make sure it's um, reasonably well secured so as it starts forming the roots, it's not going to be... Um, pushed around by wind and um, damage the, the new roots as they come out. But, yeah, I've seen huge branches of frangipanis being put in, just put into the ground and away they go. So they just take a couple of years to establish from that size. Dave writes, good morning. Can I still spray my mango trees with a fungicide now that they are flowering? Have been spraying every two weeks for a year and first flowers in seven years. Yes, you can, yeah. If you've been spraying them regularly, um, hopefully you don't have much in the way of fungus on them anyhow, but you can spray them uh, with the fungicide now too, so that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, Hi there. Would it be possible to still move rose bushes as they are putting on new growth? Desperate to move them, writes Kay. Yep, you can uh, move them. Do them as soon as possible though because once they get that soft soft new growth out that gets knocked around the transplanting, but we've moved roses in the middle of summer and had really good success rates, so... Just get as much of the root ball as you can. Keep them well watered, much so they don't dry out after uh, transplanting, and they should be absolutely fine. Dee from Albany sent us a text. Uh, Thanks in advance for advice, R&D. Will shrubs of any kind grow under she-oaks or in she-oak needle leaf litter? The problem with growing things under she-oaks is the she-oak root system is really... um, It's so dense, and it just sucks the life out of all the soil, and... uh, Sometimes I have had clients who've with, with she oaks have had things growing under there in pots, and that seems to work fairly well. One plant I've had, or a couple of plants I've had success with, are things like crinums and the clivias. They go okay in that root competition, but it's a really, really tough area to grow stuff under. Darren. Solid job again. Thanks. Thanks Thank you. Um, Thanks for keeping us company. Thanks for answering so many questions this morning, both on the phone and on the text. Thank you for your company at home. Keep your radios on ABC Perth um, and enjoy the rest of the day. And, of course, the grand final, if that's your thing tonight. Bye for now. It's 10 o'clock. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.